Welcome back to the official Atari Games podcast. Jason here, joined again by Ethan Stearns. Hello. And Shaw. What's up, Shaw? Hello. Very good. Doesn't matter. Well, welcome back, fellas. We were supposed to have a fourth, had some technical difficulties. We'll get her back another time. Um, just got to sort that stuff out before. But it's us. We're going to have some fun. Boys night. Yeah. Uh, this is kind of like an interstitial because... I've already planned the next podcast, so start thinking if you're Ooh, listening exciting. to this. Think about think about some questions because uh, it's going to be all about Lunar Lander. Oh that's, yes, that's what we're we'll doing. We're going to be talking Lunar Lander Beyond, which if you haven't done so, go wishlist that on your platform of choice. And just to round out some other news, more pertinently, Quamp Two, it's out. Go get it. It's on everything. Yay. Steam, Switch. Epic. I don't know why I'm saying it in this order. Xbox One, Series X and S, PS4, PS5, and Atari VCS. So go get that. Also, the day of this recording, Star Wars Dark Forces remastered. It's out. Night Dive's latest Again. remastered effort. Again, that's true. And it's awesome. All the reviews dropped today. I was looking at a bunch of them, and yeah. people love it. I mean, look, people loved Quamp as well last week. We're, we're on a hot streak right now. Hey, Quamp was yeah. well-received. Yeah, I love I love that game so much. I think it's such an interesting it's an interesting game. Like very simple mechanics, but you know you go it, it takes you on an adventure with just two buttons. It's pretty amazing. Yeah, yeah. Let's uh, actually, you know what? Let's let's take a let's swerve here. Let's let's uh, let's park here. Oh, for we're a swerving. Let's talk, let's talk about. Are we swerving or are we parking? Which one is it? We're are we swerving, swerving into, into a park. park. We're doing like a yeah. kind of okay. drifting park. Tokyo drift. Oh, yeah, 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 exactly. It'll it's really cool looking. Um, what was the so you guys did a lot of the marketing of it, right? So it's good to have you guys to talk about this. What was the driving force in delivery? Like, how do you how do you build a narrative around a game like that? We obviously talked a lot about the production with the uh, with the graphite team in uh, in the last episode, but how did you decide about making this framed as a sequel to Pomp and that whole narrative? Like, what was the what was driving factor there? Well, you know, we didn't really craft that narrative. It kind of, that narrative pre-existed in that the, that's how the game starts, right? I mean, the original Quamp game and Quamp 2 both start uh, in a game of Pong that you, that you bust out of or you escape from. And that's, and then the story kind of progresses from there. So, you know, I think that that wasn't a major part of our marketing for a push for the game but i i do think that the larger games press and the community they they like that narrative a lot like um especially with what atari is doing recently and how you know we're really reaching back into the past to celebrate our old games but then also trying to produce new games for the future i think that it is a good representation of that where it's like we're we're making a sequel to this game that feels relevant today in an interesting way uh, but also it's kind of ties back to something we've been doing in the past. So I don't know. I mean, I think we leaned into it a little bit more after it started to get more attention when we first announced it, but it wasn't necessarily part of our, um, part of our campaign plan. I think, Sean, I don't remember how you feel about it. But I felt like we were more focused on tone, I think in the beginning, because the game has such an interesting tone about it, uh, both musically and sort of, it, it doesn't, it's always moving at the same pace. So the game has like this almost like Zen state that you get into where you're, you know, you're solving these puzzles, you're moving yourself through this, through this maze. 
and you have to kind of like stay in this Zen state. You can't like run it. You can't speed run it. You can't, you know, it really, it has like a, like an interesting tone to it. And that was something that I think we tried to get across in like all of our early marketing materials and stuff like that. Yeah. um, Piggybacking off of that, I think for like my approach, definitely with the tone and also like, I thought of it as how do we, how do we market an indie game and not just like an Atari IP that we turned into an indie game? Because I, I kind of view this, I know it's like a sequel to Pong, like we were talking about, but I think it's just separately by itself. It's such a special and interesting game that can just live by itself without the Atari connection. And so I wanted to like, I think we wanted to do that justice. It's just like a really, I don't know, just this thing that can kind of capture you and really represents what indie gaming can be in the space right now. And sure, it ties back to Pong, but I don't really care much about that. I just wanted, I just wanted people to know that this, this game exists and you don't really need to tie it back to any sort of specific Atari IP. So it was an interesting exercise going that way. Yeah, it's a tough one for something that's so simple. I guess the, the, the other source of that question was more like the, the sequel to Pong versus the sequel to Quomp. Yeah. Like how do those two butt against each other for a game that is, you know, it says Quomp too. It's well, sequel to Pong, but it, it's sequel to Quomp. It's, it's, it's like it, all it things is, at once, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's both yeah. things, right? Because it's like the story from Quomp and Quomp 2, which is a very broad concept of it being a story because there's no like actual dialogue or anything. But there is a bit of a story that is in the background of that game. Um that larger narrative across the two titles is this sort of sequel to Pong, this sort of this interesting alternative universe kind of idea of Pong. Um, but the first two games actually do have a pretty direct narrative like flow, like the way the first game ends and where you go into this game right. um, and how this game ends uh, definitely has like a flow through it. Not that you necessarily have to play the first game in order to enjoy the second, um, but there was something that Graphite Lab did when they worked on the game, really looking at the first title. Um, you know, where does the second one start, and like, how do we care? How do they carry on like that experience? Uh, narrative was part of that, so it definitely is. I think it's both. I think it's both a, a sequel to the original game, but also this sort of abstract concept as a sequel to Pong. Yeah, makes sense. So now that we're and we're still pushing Quant because it's so recent, but we're about to shift gears towards uh, towards Lunar Lander, right? So what do you think? How much do you want to talk about this, which is lessons learned and plans for Lunar Landers? Uh, well, I think the, the big thing is like for us um, last year, we, we had a lot of titles and it made it hard for us to really celebrate each of those titles, like one after another. And for us internally, like it's one thing, like that's our job. We get to work with games every day. Like, we're incredibly lucky it's a magical thing to be able to do so you know we do of course you get a little bit of fatigue when you have lots of different things to think about and talk about but i think we more thinking about like how do people or fans of atari or uh people who are new possible fans of atari of our games like making sure that we took enough time between each of those titles to uh talk about them celebrate them gives backstory about where they come from and why and uh, that's something that we did with Quamp. We also kind of did that with Pixel Ripped, which I was really happy yeah. with how we did that with Pixel mm-hmm. Ripped. 
being able to really celebrate Arvory and talk this about the 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 franchise of, of Pixel Rift, etc. Talk with in uh, like um, influencers and etc. We were trying to do a similar thing with Quamp, and we're going to do we'll do more. Well, like now that Quamp is sort of out, we'll start to see more stuff on on a Lunar Lander, and as we ramp up, we'll there's more there, and and our titles going into the rest of this year, like Neo Sprint, for example, and other titles like which we haven't yet announced. You know that that's our that's our goal now is to have more of that time to celebrate those titles one after another and make sure we have that time to to really talk about them and make sure people know what they are. Yeah, I think like building context is important. Like we we have the space to do that now. Like for Pixel Ripped, we're like Quamp Two doesn't have a lot of context. You kind of just get it. There was a Quamp One, and then there was Pong. For Lunar Lander, there's such a deep history of that game and how it literally was like a genre defining title. There's a lot of stuff that we can talk about and we have been talking about in the marketing so that people understand like why we're making another one and why it's important that we preserve this kind of game and bring it to a newer audience. So we're giving ourselves the space to do that, which is like Ethan was saying a little different than what we did last year. Yeah. The interesting thing with Lunar Lander is that there, there have not really been other Lunar Landers, like mm-hmm. specific games with the Lunar Lander IP. Like that just hasn't existed. There, It's funny, if you search Lunar Lander, there is a whole Wikipedia page for Lunar Lander as a genre, but proper, proper noun, I guess that's the right way to say it, Lunar Lander, it's like kind of few and far between where it's been a long time since it's been one that has that name. Whereas Pong... There's been a lot of pongs. Like there's there's a lot of celebration, for example, for the uh, for the the PS1 version was Pong the Next Level. I think that was the one. So there's uh, it's a hell of a jump from Lunar Lander. I think I think it's going to be. Did you see that bit on um, on uh, John Oliver's show where he was they did the Chuck E. Cheese yes. coverage and he talked about like all the different versions of Pong that um, that <laughs> Nolan made. I thought that was really funny. Like, that whole all that real. bit was awesome. Yeah, yeah. he's. It's amazing. I also love that bit of Atari lore that the the connection between Atari and Chuck E. Cheese, which fun fact, never been in a Chuck E. Cheese, never been. In no, one. you should treat yourself. We yeah. have one near me, and I hate going to Chuck E. Cheese because it's gross inside. And uh, I always t- uh, commit, tell my kids like they're like, "Oh, there's Chuck E. Cheese." I'm like, "Ah, oh, yeah, it's a bummer. They closed that. It's it's in the process of closing." And they're like, "Oh, I see people inside." I'm like, "No, it's <laughs> it's closed." You just said treat it. yourself, and then you said it's disgusting. It's which... Well, you should you should treat yourself. Yeah, you know, it's to the pizza. experience. But like, um, you know, when you have little kids and they run around touching all this stuff and pulling like gum off the floor, it's kind of, I don't know. It can be kind of gross. Oh, you mean like on Earth, where that happens? Yeah, <laughs> I forget. You live in New York City. I, I'm not yeah. where where that's what the <laughs> that's what the world is. I had a birthday at Chuck E. Cheese. I felt like the coolest kid in the world. I think yeah. that's I think I that's where I peaked probably. I don't I don't think I could comfortably walk into a Chuck E. Cheese. It just I need to go maybe maybe one day. I have uh I have a young niece and nephew, so maybe one day they'll have a, a birthday party there and I can I can have an excuse to go. Otherwise, no, the closest thing is a Dave and Buster's. That's that's sure. about it. Chuck E. Cheese for me when I was younger was about arcade games. That was the thing that right. I loved doing when I was there. I can't remember the name the name of it, but there was like this jet game, this like third person jet fighter game, and I loved that thing. And I would um, 
you know, I go to birthday parties there and like everyone's jumping the ball pit or doing whatever they do, ski ball and stuff. And I was just dumping quarters into the arcade games there. But there aren't really yeah. arcade games at them anymore, which is sort of a bummer. They're all like kid casino games. Oh, they're that like sucks. put a it, coin into the thing and a, and a thing spins and ah, you got 50 tickets. Was um, it Afterburner? Was that the game that you played? It might have been Afterburner. Yeah, that's what I, I, I don't know why I just thought about that immediately. Yeah, I never really understood the appeal. Like the ticket thing, those games that take over are so frustrating because they're just not fun. And it's all to get a, like a bouncy ball or something that you could actually afford. Because they'll always have like a, it's a PS5 in the in the window. And it's like, you get this if you have like 20 pounds of tickets. You're like, no. That is impossible. I will have to. I will basically have to come here for the rest of my life, and I will never get this thing. So yeah, but it feels so good when you walk out with that bouncy ball. No way. Find me. Find me at the time crisis machine. That's all yeah. I would play. I, oh, yeah. I, Sean, what was your arcade game of choice? Um, House of the Dead. Yes. Yeah. That was the original. That was a really fun one. I don't want to die. Yeah, and you have to like you have the it's like the the light gun, and then you have to like. Go off screen to reload. Shoot off the screen. Yeah. 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 Making that motion is that's instant death. You gotta you gotta you gotta master the quick. The quick wrist action. That's that's the move. Yeah. Time crisis was it was definitely afterburner. I had to look it up. Yeah. Nice. Look at that. The most minimal amount of information. Do you remember so I I love time crisis because I loved the idea of that that cover shoot cover shooting gameplay. Did you ever try those games it was like i think police 911 where it oh, actually yeah. it was one of the first games that did the body tracking mhm yeah mm-hmm. no oh man no. it was like you basically imagine time crisis but instead of having to press a pedal to jump out you would actually have to move your whole body it was before connect so it was before any of this tech really happened that was that was really like a golden age when arcade that was that was like before the flip really happened because there was a for the longest time, arcade led hardware, and that and it was always so you go to the arcade to play the games you couldn't play at home, and then once that flip happened, then arcades kind of lost their relevancy because you would, you know, you just play the better games at home. But that was kind of on the bubble. It was like this is something I can't do at home, and it was great, at least in small bursts. Now they do these really interesting things where, especially with like Japanese like arcade machines and like companies, will you know have this way for you to carry your not only like your experience over like on like a card or something that you bring back but also um kind of like skins and things you unlock in the game that you can use um i don't know i think that's that's super cool i went to it's so cool what is the what is the name of that place that sam loves that um oh um something one player uh player one i don't remember the name of it right now but there's one near me and uh round one round one Going in there and watching people who are just super good at these like rhythm games, and they and they're just going there. But that's their like that's the thing that they want to go do. They go in and just like play that for 20, 30 minutes, and they're so good at it. It's amazing to watch. Chunithum, Chunithum. Uh, whenever I go to Japan, I always have to play Chunithum, which is a um, it's a rhythm game where it's like this piano type thing, and it actually tracks your hands, uh, be it on the ground or above, and it's just so so good. I love rhythm games. So seeing this thing and jumping in on that, it, it was just so much fun. I couldn't get enough of it. And yeah, you if you it always asks, hey, what's your account? And then you have to go through all this stuff. It's like, I'm a guest, I think, in 
Japanese. <laughs> I could read I could read the part where it says no. <laughs> right. Hi or EA. EA. EA, 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 EA. That means no. And um and yeah, just burn through all that. And it was great. Like I, I absolutely uh, love that game. And I and that whole culture of arcade games in Japan still lives and it's really it, it's it makes me kind of jealous. There's a few arcades here in in the city, but it's not it's not the same. And every so often they'll get an import game and I'm just waiting, waiting to walk by one and see that game playable. And then uh, you'll never see me again because I'll just be stuck in the Chinatown arcade or something. Yeah, but, hopefully it's not too noisy for you. It's all oh, right. Yeah, that's true. I got my issue with uh, with Barcade. <laughs> too loud. It, it's just I can't. I, I am I going to do this here? Are we going to do this here? I just have I have so many fond memories of like of my Pac Man arcade, and I would like show up, and it was just as soon as you walked in the door, it's like ding ding ding, ding it's like noises ever like a like a chaos. like chaos, Absolute and chaos. then like finding my way through the arcade to find like the machine I was having there to play on, and then like you know posting up for a little while, and I don't know, I just I love that that cacophony of of noise and you know electric sounds and quarters going down you know into yeah cash boxes I, I will say the last time i went was better than the time prior and i think it's there is a balance but yeah there is something about it it might even just be a mood thing right where the <laughs> it's the old those old sounds being cranked up to 11 at max volume this the cacophony like you said of all of those things at once I remember like one time in my life that I actually that I like distinctly remember flipping out on somebody. It was when I was it was back when I was working at GameStop in college and one of my coworkers wanted to change the ringtone of the phone on the uh, on the counter. And they were going through all the different ringtones at like full volume and I just flipped. I just snapped after about 2 minutes. I just lost my mind. <laughs> I was like, dude, you got to stop. You can't keep doing this for the love of God. I'm going to lose my mind. And that was it. So it's kind of like that. That's somehow worse. But so the but the arcade experience kind of gives me that, um, that kind of visceral I hear reaction. You. I hear you. I hear you. Yeah. Not I haven't been. Me. I haven't been to the arcade there in New York. So we got to go next time I'm in town. All right. So let's just go. Or we'll I'll just that. go with JK. Oh. You're leave me you don't want to go. You're the one who said that you, you have a hard time with it. So I don't want to drag you into an experience you're not happy time. with. Why can I, you know, I'm always down to hang. It is around the corner from that burger place from Paul's. Oh, yeah. There's one right there. That place. Right around the corner from Paul's. Paul's and burger play, joint. And play NYC. Shout That's out. That's right. Shout mm-hmm. out to Play NYC. Shout out. Yeah. Um, not Play look, NYC. I, uh, video Games New York. That's what I was thinking of. That's right. Play NYC the is shop, the convention man. that we were in. That's a different thing. Yeah, shout out to... Um, Video Games New York. That shop is unbelievably amazing. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. I also love the amount of wood they have. I feel like if you want to uh, complete a a retro aesthetic, there has to be wood. Like Right, wood but the wood has to be like cabinets. completely worn down on the sides to the point where everything is just smooth. Like you've been like grabbing at those video games so many times for so many years that you've just like worn down everything around it. Yeah. Wood paneling needs to make a comeback. That's okay. Needs to come back. Um, look, I, I, I wrote this question here. It was actually going to be the warm-up question. Um, All right, let's warm up. But yeah, it is relevant for today. So at the day, we're recording this on February 28th. Star Wars Dark Force 
Dark Forces Remastered just came out. And I want to know, what's your favorite Star Wars game? <sighs> Shaw, why don't you oh, go first? Um, the OG Battlefront 2. Wow, that's a good put, one. I put a lot of hours into that on, on PC. Um, there was not even just like the online multiplayer, but there was like actual like story mode in that game where you could play through different events in the movies because oh, it cool. spanned like the original trilogy and the, the sequel trilogy or the the prequels. Sorry. Um, yeah, fantastic. I I put a lot of time into that game and I'm excited for the the Switch versions to come out. Yeah, you must have popped off. It, it's coming out for yeah. everything. It's not just yeah. Switch. Great. The remasters. Love it. I still have the disc somewhere at home. Nice. So when you uh, so when you get the remaster, what are you jumping into first? Are you going to jump into a skirmish, the campaign? What are you doing? Honestly, I, I, I might play through the campaign. That's what I do with all these kinds of games. Play through the campaign first. Be a Jedi. Do all the fun stuff. Cool. Because I, I was hearing somebody talk about this game, and I guess there's like the scenario building mode where you could have these, mm. like basically these battles that would last like over an hour with all bots and things. So yeah. It sounds like that was a big hook for people. Like, and that's why it was so easy to put in so many hours into the game. Yeah, I I, I put in a, a decent amount of time into the EA, the new EA version when they put out the like Star Wars Celebration version with like everything. Right. That was fun, but it's just it didn't didn't capture that same magic. Right on, Ethan. What about you? I'm not a huge Star Wars person. Um, okay. I say that because I feel like there are people who are like Star Wars is life for them and I'm just casually enjoy Star Wars. And so I feel like, although I do have Star Wars stuff in my, in my background here, I've got my Boba Fett, um, (laughs) nice, um, evil Knievel who is playing the food fight arcade game here. And then I've, Oh, and he's falling over. And then, I got this. Hit the jetpack, Boba. Stormtrooper guy. Oh, sure. Yeah. Which which is kind of cool. I got this as a gift. Um, I do have Star Wars stuff in my life. I'm just like not. I don't know. I I have uh, Shadows of the Empire was like a N64 game that I that I remember playing. Oh, I know it. N64 launch title. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I think I actually have it right right here. I cannot believe that has not been remastered yet. Like that is yeah. insane that that has not been remastered. And then I also have the classic cart uh, racer from Phantom, Phantom Menace here. Nice. Also a great game. Yeah, that was a good one. See, that's um, the thing. Even if you're not a Star Wars, even if you're not a big Star Wars fan, there are so many Star Wars games that have just entered the zeitgeist as just uh, more games. I mean... You have, I mean, Dark Forces started off the series that eventually became like the Jedi Knight series, and there were three of those. You have Shadows of the Empire. Kotor. I mean, like, Kotor. The, yeah, nice the Old Republic, one and two. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the thing that Rogue I love Squadron. about... Rose Squadron was incredible. Yeah. Right, okay, see? <laughs> yeah, but I I, I liked... I, where, where I liked the Star Wars games is when they were like more of a blank canvas for the world to sort of expand. Like that's always been kind of my thing with Star Wars where I like the, like the linear narratives that are told and there's a, and you either like them or you don't like them. Right. And I think that when they're more open to sort of um, celebrating or exploring like the, the world of Star Wars, like, 
I feel like Andor did a better, like a good job at that. And um, I think Rogue One did a good job at that. Um, And I think like projects like KOTOR where it's it's so much more open. I think I find that stuff interesting because it's a great world that was created in, in like types of species and weapons and, and like general narrative. Like I, I, I like that stuff. And so I don't know. I mean, the, the, I like, I definitely played a bunch of the games. I think the arcade game, there's another arcade game. I remember playing the vector yes. graphics, star Wars arcade game. It'd sit inside. I fucking love that game too. Um, yeah, I don't know if I had to pick one, let's just say shadows of the empire. It wasn't, was Shadows and Dark Forces the same character, main yes. character? Because wasn't that like a like? No, no, like... no, no, no. Sorry, not. It was the same character as uh, Jedi Knight, Kyle okay. Kanata, and like he was really special, right? Because he was the first. He was the first canonical. Like um, now he's not anymore, but he was like the first character um, in the Star Wars like universe that wasn't from the movies. And like they made toys for him and stuff like that. Like he, it was like a really important thing, right? I mean, he, um, that whole game was one of the first times like the Star Wars narrative world like existed outside of the medium of the films, which is which is kind of interesting. Yeah, I I don't know if that was the first one, but that's kind of uh, that's kind of it's cool. kind of like but the Tiki Masala question we were having earlier. Like, uh, I, right. I I'm full of origin stories that I don't know if they're true. So I just heard it, heard it from a guy. Yeah. Heard it a from guy. a guy. <laughs> I was in line at, uh, you know, at star tours at Disneyland and this guy told me. And so it's gotta be true. Yeah. That's like, I, it, I think I've said it. Like I I've read, I read this somewhere. I heard it from somebody or I made it up. It's one of those things. It's one of the three. <laughs> it's one of those three <laughs> things. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. How those, about you? those games are great. Hmm? How about you? What's your favorite game? Honestly, now after last year, I, I'd say the uh, Jedi Survivor. I honestly yeah. think that that leaped the competition. I mean, I have a soft spot for a lot of Star Wars games. Shadow of the Empire. I'm just going to straight up say it is a horrible video game. <laughs> like, it is a <laughs> bad, bad game because it, it is from that era of 3D console games where they were trying to figure it out. It is wildly frustrating, and sometimes you think, oh, it's because it's one of those games where it's like. If you ever play a game back when that you played when you were a kid and you go back and say, man, I thought I was bad at this game. Turns out it's just not good. That's one of those games. But there's so many good ideas that game. It's inevitable that that game gets remastered or remade, ideally remade within the next like five years, I'd say, ideally speaking. Before um, you talk about that, how good Jedi Survivor is, I just started. I got. I just got flashbacks of Super Star Wars. Awesome. SNES. Awesome series. Awesome, dude. I talk about frustrating video games. I remember being a child. Oh yeah. And with my cousins trying to get through that first fucking desert level. Sorry. Oh my god. First desert level. <laughs> that first desert level. So frustrating. Good news yeah. there. I don't remember which one did I play. I think I had Super Stars? Super. I don't remember that one. I think I had Super Return of the Jedi. Okay. And that game was great, but there were some interstitial scenes where you had to control the Millennium yeah. Falcon, and those sucked. Uh, those yeah. those were. I, I remember those being super frustrating. But when it was the the side scrolling parts, I said, "Yeah, this is this is great." But yeah, man, I saw a spot for a lot of those things. The rogue. There was the first time I saw. Rogue Squadron 2 on GameCube 
was one of the coolest things you could ever ever see in games. Like, that was oh, another wow, launch title. That was another yes. uh, launch title. Yeah, I remember that game. That was yeah. like during that era. They were like, "Oh, the GameCube actually can render more polygons than the PlayStation 2, uh, as seen in uh, Rogue Squadron." Yes, and I I got my GameCube with three games, and Rogue Squadron Two was one of them. NHL Hits 2002, and Classic. Crazy Taxi. Because nice. <laughs> Crazy Taxi was awesome. oh no wait I lied I got Crazy Taxi later Super Monkey Ball that was the other one that's right Super Monkey Ball and um, yeah so have a soft spot for that one but man the the it plays into the point that you were saying Ethan which is I love Star Wars games that don't rely on convenience and nostalgia because Star Wars. And this is kind of where they shot themselves in the foot with a lot of the the content, especially with the the new movies, is it's always like, hey, it's that guy. It's, it's a universe, but it feels it is like the smallest feeling universe ever. That's why the last the end of season one of Mandalorian was so frustrating. It's like, that's your solution? <laughs> Come on, man. Really? That? We're just gonna say this happens. That guy shows up. Fantastic. Of course. It's gotta come back to this guy um, every single time. Whereas you know, Vader shows up in the uh, Jedi series, but it makes sense. It makes sense based on the plot they're saying. Otherwise, there's no other thing. Luke never shows up. Leia never shows up. Like, it, it is completely self-contained, and it's incredible. The new characters they've created are all awesome. The relationships they build are amazing. I just want more of these people. Like, it's one of the rare cage where it says, I want these people to be in the live action stuff. When are they going to show up? Because they're more interesting than every other character you've written in the last, like, in the last 15 years. So, yeah, I love, uh, I loved Survivor. I love the gameplay. The combat was awesome. I was fortunate enough to not get a lot of the bugs that people were seeing. Um, I even replayed Fallen Order leading into Survivor. And that game is still fantastic. The game, th- those games are just immaculate, and uh, I do highly recommend them. So, Cal's I, like character progression, and yeah. in that in that game where he's like battling dark and light, which I know is like a lot of the Jedi's that they they talk about in these movies are battling light and dark and whatever in their past. Um, but I don't know, j- just the way that they approach like how he survived. Spoilers, if you haven't played this game, Survivor Order 66 and like, you know, trying to he has Survivor's Guilt, right? Throughout the entire game, it's all about Survivor's Guilt and like how he deals with it while trying to rebuild the order and help his friends and destroy the Empire and, and all of these like grand fun things that you get to play. Like just him as a character is I think it's such a such an totally. interesting, interesting personality that's in Star Wars now. And I like the way that they play with the rules yeah. of it because Last Jedi, I like Last Jedi. I don't know. I guess that's a controversial opinion. Last Jedi was made worse by Last Jedi falls to the same fate of The Matrix uh, Reloaded. What I mean by that is a movie that ends on a cliffhanger is only going to be as good as the follow up to that movie. So. When you have like the, the Matrix Reloaded was actually not bad as a standal, you know, as a setup, but the sequel is so horrible and dropping the ball that it just made that whole setup pointless. Whereas, and then with the Last Jedi, they introduce this really interesting concept 
where it's like, hey, anybody could really be a Jedi, right? And they kind of rewrote those rules versus the thing that everybody hated about the Metachlorians thing, right? Mm-hmm. And then they undid it by being like, oh, by the way, she's uh, that dude's granddaughter. You're like, gross. I don't even <laughs> want to think about what, how that happened. <laughs> like, that's, that's horrible. That's the direction you went in. So I think that what Jedi's what the Jedi series is doing, and I hope they follow through with it, is kind of expanding this idea where like a Jedi doesn't have to do all the things that they do. And I don't want to spoil anything, yeah. but I really do love the direction they're taking it. And yeah. you know, fingers crossed for a happy ending. That's all I want. What was mm-hmm. the what was the um the one that had the the Sith sort of lead? There was like a series on like Xbox 360, maybe oh, or PS3. Um, the four, uh, hang on. There were like three of them. There's two uh, of them. Uh, the one with where you're the secret apprentice. Yeah. They also ported that to modern consoles. So Star- one of the things I liked uh, about that game, and I think it was one of the first times we were really seeing this, is that Force Unleashed. Force, Force Unleashed. Unleashed. That they were doing stuff with the world that we weren't seeing. Like, we weren't, yeah, we weren't seeing that in other medium. Like, I remember there was that there was that trailer where he's like force pulling like a star destroyer like out of the sky yeah. into the planet, and it's just like, ah, that's so crazy. And it's stuff that you like elevating the scale of what you could see. I don't know, but I think the video games have always had a really strong um, role in kind of tinkering at the edges of the narrative world of star wars and so going back and i'm excited to go back and play um dark forces as well because i think it's one of the one of the first to really do that same i just installed it on the uh on my switch uh nice so really really excited to jump in so yeah i also i also didn't play it um back in the day so excited to jump in that might be my uh my my next game on switch that i play alongside uh final fantasy rebirth so yeah good stuff i will say the one thing about the one thing that kind of brought down force unleashed for me because that game is very good i never played the second one i only played the first one but the thing that brought it down for me is that because i played psyops the mind gate conspiracy and I did not have to look up the name of that game. I remembered I remember the name of the game, game yeah. and the subtitle mm-hmm. and the fact that they had a song for it sung by the band Cold with my mind is what it was called. Yeah, you went Useless that, information. Anyway, that game was amazing and had the best uh, controls to uh, for telekinesis. So when I got into uh, Force Unleashed, and wanted it to play like that, it didn't really. So the action wasn't quite as fast as I wanted it to be, specifically with the telekinesis controls. Otherwise, really cool, liked it. But, you know, PsyOps, bring that back. You know, what, what are we doing? What, why isn't there a new PsyOps? The, the streets are clamoring What are we doing? PsyOps. Would you call Bandai or, or whoever owns that game? Mid, Midway, 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 that doesn't so exist. Warner yeah, Brothers, exactly. Then? So it's a Warner, Warner Brothers. Brothers. Let's buy it. Hey, Mr. Brothers. Hey, let's uh, let's one, get you must out. know one of the brothers. I mean, there's <laughs> yeah. two of them. So, <laughs> yeah, it's one. Yeah, call that frog from the from. Yeah. <laughs> remember that Warner Brothers frog? Call that guy. Oh Don't yeah, know. yeah, yeah. Exactly. Good callback. Yeah, he's probably he probably knows where it's at. You dance across the bottom of your TV. Yeah. Anyway, look, guys. I think we've we we've talked enough. Let's let's wrap this thing up uh, as we normally do. Oh. Uh, and oh, talk about. It? What are we currently playing? So either you want to go first, Shaw, why don't you go? Or Ethan, mm-hmm. you got something? 
I'm just I've been playing Spider Man sort of. Um, I wish I sort been, of. I was I wish I was playing more of it. I don't know. I just I want Spider Man two. Spider Man two. I wish I'm sitting down. I wish I could sit down and binge it and play it more, but mm. um, I haven't been. So I started that. Um. After Dice, where it won a bunch of awards at the at the Dice event, and uh, yeah, good like, for I, I should I, I should actually I knew I already owned it, so I was like, oh, I'm just gonna actually sit down and play it, and it's been fun. I was surprised. I, I was like, kind of pleasantly surprised because I think Insomniac always delivers. They they always deliver the goods with their games, but they never quite like stand out to the point where they're winning all these awards. So, you know, while I probably wouldn't have said. Insomniac like, hasn't won any awards. Is that what you just said? They usually don't get uh, the accolades of uh, of like Game of the Year awards. No. Yeah, Tell me where they have. I mean, I, f- I thought the Ratchet and Clank series won tons of awards. No. Probably for like visuals. I don't know about Game of the Year. Yeah, they never they never really get like top prizes that kind of stuff. No. I mean, and I and you're talking about one of the big like Ratchet and Clank is one of my favorite series. Like I love it. That is that is appointment gaming for me when a new Ratchet and Clank comes out. I'm I'm kind of bummed that Insomniac is becoming the Spider-Man series, the the, uh, the Marvel uh, company. But I get it because they gotta you know pay the bills. Uh, but I I love Ratchet and Clank. I feel like there's too much in Spider-Man too. I feel like the game I've spent like five six hours playing it, mm-hmm. and I'm like still like I'll do something. And they're like, oh, you've unlocked this new thing. You got to learn how to do. And if you press X and Y and then touch the touchpad, then now you have this new thing that you have to figure out. And then, like, assumingly throughout the game, I'm going to get other unlocks that allow me to do other things there. And I'm like, all right, great. Now I'm going to swing through the city. It's like, wait, just a second. Now we're going to go through an entire, like, controllable, like, separate scene of the game that's, like, not in the city. It's like, I mean, it's just, um, it's a lot. It's a lot. Mm. It is a lot. I loved the first one, and I loved Miles Morales, but I didn't feel like I wanted more Spider-Man after I finished those games, which is why I never like jumped on the second one. I I, I did really like uh, Spider-Man too. I mean, anything Insomniac I'll play, except for Fuse. Uh, <laughs> remember Fuse? They've done a bunch of games. What was the? Were they the ones that did the um, Resistance games? Yes, they were. Mm-hmm. Like that, Chica- that one in Chicago was really cool. That would be Resistance Two with that giant monster running around. Yeah, Resistance, Resistance Three was so good, wildly mm-hmm. underappreciated series. Played that on Xbox, I think. No, PlayStation. Or yeah. PS Three. Always PlayStation. Yeah, PS Three. The whole Resistance series was on yeah. PS Three. PS Three, which is annoying because you can't play it on anything now. Yeah, yeah, and maybe on uh, streaming. Shaw, what about you? What have you been playing? Um, I just finished the first Alan Wake. Nice. Um, yeah, fun game. I, it's not I, a I lake. Never it's an ocean, it. man. Yeah, I know. I uh, spoiler alert. I had never, never played it, and then I just decided it was the same thing. I was like, after it won all those awards, I was like, maybe, or the second one won all those awards. I was like, maybe I should play the first one. Eventually, play the second one. Um, so I played it. I liked it. Um, before I jump into the second one, I decided to take a little break um and so i went back to the cyberpunk dlc so i'm trying to work my way through that nice phantom liberty it's a fun world to be in and i would like to finish that dlc before Elden ring comes out have you uh have you played control Uh, i did not beat control um 
That's worth I it. kept losing. I, I got to this boss fight where it's just like a giant bookshelf, and I kept losing, and I got mad. And so I never beat Control. Oh, I remember that one. Yeah. Bookshelf, I vaguely yeah. remember. You're just like so floating I have a in the for control. air, and then there's like platforms on like either side of it. And it's just like a giant like... Is that optional? throwing furniture at you. Oh, okay. Fair enough. It. Yeah, I got really mad. But all right, but you're gonna but you're gonna play Elden Ring. Got it. Okay, cool. Well, I guess yeah. it's too hard for you. It's too hard for me. But I'm excited <laughs> for the new Elden Ring DLC. Cool. Inject that in my veins. Very nice. Well, I've uh, I've been playing nothing but uh, like a dragon, infinite wealth. But I talked about that last episode, so instead I'm going to talk about another game I played earlier this year. Um, just to take a complete left turn. Turnip Boy Robs a Bank. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. Yes. Yeah. I, I I put a couple hours into this, and man, I am looking forward to getting back into it. It is a lot of fun. If you're not familiar with the Turnip Boy Now series, last time we saw Turnip Boy, he was committing tax evasion. In Turnip Boy Commits Tax Evasion. That was one of the most disturbing games I've ever played for a character named Turnip Boy. And it, it was horrifying. Like, early on in the game, spoiler alert, for Turnip Boy commits tax evasion. You're, he, there's a guy who's like, yeah, my friend's kind of bothering me. And then you, like, kill his friend. And then he says, wait, I don't want you to kill my friend. And then it's like, bam, achievement unlocked. You're, you killed his friend. That's like, what? <laughs> it does stuff like that. It is absolutely bonkers. And that is more of like an adventure game where you go around, you talk to people, you commit tax evasion among other crimes. And this is kind of a sequel to that. And you're the same turnip boy, but you are, it is a roguelike dungeon crawler where you it's a roguelike uh it's kind of like an enter the gungeon type thing where you go in and you're constantly going into this giant bank and you're robbing it and you you like shake people down to get their money and then you're going into uh vaults and there's uh and there's and you continuously get further and further and further into this giant bank so the writing is hilarious gameplay is fun if pretty simple uh it only runs in four by three so it runs pillar boxed which is Kind of odd, as that was a choice. Um, but I, I'm looking forward to playing it. It's one of probably the most obscure games uh, we'll ever talk about on this uh, podcast. But I think it might resonate, especially with uh, you know, with the retro crowd here, because it still has that uh, that pixel aesthetic. So yeah, Turtle Boy. We'll see what kind of other crimes he gets into along the way. But it's always there. <laughs> I think this could be done in a good way and a bad way. When you have these very cute looking characters that are delivering the most insane, dark, twisted lines. And this is one of those games that does it right. Where you see Turnip Boy looking all cute and cuddly. And then it's like, yeah, remember the time you like assassinated this person? <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, yep. <laughs> cool. Me. Yep. I did that in the last game. Definitely remember doing that. So yeah, check that out. Um, nice. Shout out to Graffiti Games. They put out some weird stuff. What else What else do they have in their uh, their portfolio? Uh, they brought this game called Blue Fire, I think. That was like a... Oh, they did Blue Fire. Yeah, it was like a Souls. I think the it was game like was great. Yeah. The game was really good. Yeah. yeah, I played that on Switch when it came out. 
Same team? Um, I don't know if it's, it's the same team. Graffiti Games is more of a publisher. Yeah, they? they're the publisher. Oh, it's a publisher. Okay, got it. Yeah. I was gonna say, yeah, Blue Fire, really good. If you're looking for a uh, like a platformer, Souls like, yeah. Well, hey guys, look, thanks for joining. Appreciate it. Let's do the wrap up here. About 44 minutes. Look at that, we filled the time. Love it. Um, as a reminder, again, we talked a lot about Star Wars on this day because Star Wars Dark Forces remastered is out. So go check that out. That's on everything. Um, Quamp Two still out. Check that out. Go buy it. Def- also on everything. And Lunar Lander Beyond. Coming soon. Wishlist that. That helps greatly. Also, the Minter Collection from Digital Eclipse is coming out on the 13th of March. Oh, so sweet. pretty soon, in like two weeks. Um, recently, uh, Jason spent some one-on-one time with the, the studio. One on two time, yeah. One, one on two, and um, so I don't know. That's a really special, amazing game from our friends at Digital Eclipse. So you guys should check that out as well. Did you mention yeah. AkaR VR? Speaking of yeah, and AkaR is speaking of Minter is coming out on PS5 and will be available in PlayStation VR on the sixth, eighth, eighth. Coming soon. Here, here's the trick. Yeah. You add that to your <laughs> wish list. You'll get it. You'll know. Also, yeah. a reminder for that: if you can't wait to play Aka R, you can actually get the PS4 version, and you'll get a free upgrade to the PS5 version when it comes out. Boom. So that's some good stuff. So you don't even have to wait; you can play it right now. But if you do want to wait, that's fine. Jason just you know. made that call right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. things happen on the yeah. stream. Crazy, right? Yeah. So yeah, the, those those guys were awesome. It was it was an awesome trip to hang out with those guys. I saw the sheep's. The sheeps, the sheep, multiple sheep. sheep, multiple sheep, one llama, one donkey. I, I fed fed them some biscuits. I hung out with uh, Jeff and Ivan, uh, the duo that make up Llama Soft, and uh, yeah, they were they were wonderful hosts and uh, just hanging out in Carmarthen in Wales. Good times. So awesome. yeah, um, so yeah, Ethan, where can people find you? Oh, you can find me right here at this in this front of this camera all day long every day uh, or on twitter at edog lost um i'm out there Shaw. yeah um you can find me on twitter tancon man where i talk about how great atari is and all of our great games that's right follow me on twitter slash x at jays of doom uh also forgot to mention this earlier join the discord all of these things that we've talked about are uh, linked in the description below so click all the links just straight Please. down the line. Click everything. Click, um, click everything. Click it. everything. Do the action button. You know, click the follow if you haven't done that. Click the join if you haven't done that. Click the wish list if you haven't done that. Yeah, hey, our Discord's fun. We give away games. We have contests. We're going to do like trivia night coming up soon. So get in there. It's, it's a good time. I, I just got added to some sort of Lunar Lander uh, Discord thing. Yeah. So hey, look out for that at some fans. point in the next two months. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. That's it. Thanks. Uh, thanks for listening. And uh, see you next time. Bye.